Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father and our God, we do humble ourselves before you this morning to say thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your house. I thank you for the worship we've had this morning, for the worship team that um, you have so graciously brought together here in, in this body of believers. I pray, Father, that you would just continue to bless them and use them as only you can. Father, right now we, we come to a time to dig into your word and we just ask that you would open your word to our, our minds, Father, that we would be able to see and understand Father, that we would be able to take what we're about to talk about and, and apply it to our lives, Father, that this wouldn't be just a, just a time of gathering, but a, a time of gaining knowledge and understanding. Father, I just pray for you to continue to guide us throughout our preaching hour this morning, that you would just continue to allow us to see and feel your presence. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Just as a little bit of a review, we've, we've talked to the husbands and we've talked to the wives and we've talked to the married folks and, and now we get bring introduce the children in and, and this becomes a family unit. And remember again, we're talking about walking worthy of the call, walking in a manner that is pleasing to God and carrying ourselves and Paul is addressing all these different um, facets of life where we can display the loving, saving creator that so desires a relationship with each one of us. And if I can lay my head on the pillow at night knowing that God is pleased with what I've done in this day, then I've accomplished something. And the only way that I'm ever going to be able to do that is to dig into His Word and listen to His Word and try to live that out in every avenue of my personal life. I desire to see this huge outbreak of Christianity in society today. We need it now worse than we ever have. It's such a destruction looking out into, into this society and into this culture and seeing all the horrible things that are taking place. <coughs> but the only way that you and I will ever see any change is that if we start with self. And this is the, the very basics of it as, as a husband and as a wife and as mother and as father and as children, how to behave and how to carry ourselves and what's expected of us. And it's so important that we get this and start to apply this and start to see this multiplied in our society because if not, if we keep doing what we've been doing, we're going to keep getting what we've been getting. I don't know about you, but I don't like what we've been getting. I'm not a fan of it at all. It's such a backwards, upside-down society that we live in where the kids rule everything. More children run households today than fathers do. That's the truth. They really do. And some of them, unbeknownst to the parents, they don't even realize it. They don't even know that it's taking place. Most of you grow up in a time in culture where everything had its, had its place and it belonged in that place and it stayed in that place. And the father was the head of the household and the mother was next and the children were last. Now people's entire lives revolve around their kids. Y'all, that's a dangerous way to live. It's dangerous for you and it's dangerous for them. 
Listen, your goal is to raise up a godly, respectful adult. Not a good kid. Nobody gives a rip about good kids. Because they're going home to you. We care about the adult you're going to push out the door and the rest of us got to deal with them. Right? That's how we got the society we have today is because things aren't in their proper order, in their proper place. Your first focus in this life has to be your relationship with Christ. Period. Nothing that can ever get above that. And then if you're married, then second is your relationship with your spouse. I don't care if you've got two kids or 50 kids. Ain't narrow one of them more important than your relationship with your spouse. Remember, your goal is to have them around about 18 years or so and then see them leave. <laughs> that's the goal. Amen. That's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. Now, that number has went from 18 to 20 to 25 to 30, right? 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 And, that, and that's mixed up and messed up. And what happens is, is people that completely focus on their kids and every, everything in their world revolves around their kids, that day when those kids leave, whether it's 18 or it's 35, you'll have two spouses standing there looking at each other going, now what do we do? Who are you? It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way at all. And the way we get away from that and back to what God designed it to be and the way to get families and households in order so we can get churches and communities in order is to go back to the instruction manual and see what it says. And it has a lot to say on the subject. A lot, And some of you is going to be shocked at what it says about some things. So let's begin. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now Paul kind of takes a positive approach to this in comparison. If you go back to the Mosaic Law and the way it tells parents to deal with kids, you'll be shocked. Let's go see what they have to say about things. In Exodus 21, we'll start in verse 15 first. Now don't, this is not taken out of context. This is Mosaic Law. This is, this is law that was to be handed down and passed down and studied and memorized and loved and learned and lived by. Okay? And I didn't write what you're fixing to read. I didn't modify it in any way. I ain't, we ain't changed it for the Baptist belief. We ain't done none of that. This is the Mosaic law. This is the way it was handed down. These laws were handed down right after the Ten Commandments and everybody's standing in a big party. They just got done worshiping their golden image and then seeing the lightning strike and the thunder flash and all that stuff. And when you get to verse 15, whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. I mean, I could stand up here and elaborate on that, but it says what it says. Now, in case you think maybe God wasn't paying attention and a misprint got in here somehow, let's go to verse 17 and see what it says. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. The reason I wanted you to see this and the reason I wanted to bring this out and allow you to, to, to read this for yourself just like there's a real heavy weightiness that comes along with marriage, there's a real heavy weightiness that comes along with raising your children, being parents. 
God expects a lot from your kids. And He expects a lot from the parents. Now, we always want to say, oh, it ain't the kids' fault. It's just the parents. They don't know how to act. Well, this isn't, this, this children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Didn't say nothing about based on what kind of parents you got. Like it don't say submit to your husband if he's a good godly husband. It don't say that. See, what this is is a covenant. You've made a covenant with God to do what is required of you. As a matter of fact, there's a place in Scripture where Paul says, live peaceably where is possible with you, where, as much as is possible with you, live peaceably with all men. Now that means sometimes it may not be possible, but you still got to do all you can do, right? This doesn't say children obey your parents if you have good godly parents that bring you up in a Christian household. It says obey them. And if you go back to the old law and the way that things used to be before it was fulfilled, lucky for some of you, it says if you strike your parents or if you curse your parents, you shall be put to death. Some of you would have less kids today. <laughs> see, see, what happens is, is all this gets lighthearted to us and we don't take it serious anymore. And that happens over time. And I've given you my description of manhood and, and fathers and, and the, the, how useless they've become to the point that now family, a family don't even have to include a man in our society. The same thing is true with this. It's been dumbed down. To the point that the children run the household. This says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now the good news, let's go to um, Romans chapter 1 verse 30. Romans chapter 1 verse 30. Now I want to show you where, if you are a... Now we just learned from the Old Testament that if you curse or, or strike your parents, you should have been put to death. Now we're going to go to the new. Really harsh. Let's see how it changes. Now I want to show you. I want to show you this list just to show you exactly where God ranks disobedient children. Okay. Now this is a list. I'm going to turn there. I wasn't going to, but I, I want to um, look at the whole thing. <clears throat> Romans, chapter one. Verse 28. Now, this is, this is in a heading that says, The righteous live by faith. And this is Paul talking to the Romans about how to live. Alright? Things to grasp a hold of and things to let go of. Things to avoid and things to hold on to. Alright? And it says, he's talking about people that have chosen, you know, not to follow God. They've, they've chosen... Mortal things over godly things, all right? And he gets to this list and he says, and since they did not see fit to... This is people that have chosen not to acknowledge God, okay? Since they chose not to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetedness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventor, inventor of evil, disobedient to parents. 
foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless? Do you see where disobedient to parents, do you see what it's in the company of? Do you see that Paul has put this in a list of some of the most heinous things that you and I can think of? And right in the midst of that list is disobedient to parents. He's talking about being handed over to a debased mind. He's talking about choosing world over God. He's talking about not desiring God. And in the list of things that show us where these people are is disobedient to parents. Yet when they're two and three years old and look at you and say no, you go, (laughs) and send them on their way. You know, being dishonoring to your parents is a big deal to God. Being disobedient to your parents is a big, big deal to God. It should be a big deal to us, right? It should should really bother me if my child is disobedient to me to the point that I want to set her down and, and show her this stuff. Which, by the way, this isn't the first time she's seen these things. She decided not to do chores one day. And I let it go for a while. And I, I told Amanda, I said, um, I said, we're going to eat tonight, and Montana's not allowed to eat. Oh, no, you can't do that. Oh, yes, I can. Oh, according to Scripture, those who don't work don't eat. And I need her to understand the weightiness of her responsibility as a contributing member to this family. I, I'm, you're not here to loaf. Because that's not godly. You're not here to be lazy because that's not godly. And see what's God. I can't tell her how great she'll be if she's a softball star and then never tell her the truths about life and godliness. Right? So, but I gave her a chance. I did it a little different. I said, Montana, I need you to do something for me. I need you to go get your Bible. She said, okay. And she runs and gets her Bible. She comes back and I said, I need you to look up this. And she looks it up and she reads it. I said, now I don't want you to read it out loud. I want you to sit there and read that until you're comfortable that you can explain to me what you just read. So she sat there a few minutes and she turned to me and looked and her eyes were kind of big and she said, it says if you don't work, you don't eat. And I said, that's exactly what it says. I said, do you see a problem with this as applicable to me and you today? She said, I may not get supper. I said, why not? She said, because I didn't do. And I said, I just need you to understand that these rules we have in this house, I didn't write them. I'm just trying to abide what Scripture says. And it's going to be painful for me to watch you go through some of the things you're going to have to endure if you don't figure this out right quick. I ain't going to enjoy it no more than you are, but I can tell you this. I'm not going to sit here disobedient to the Word of God, and neither are you. We've got to put that weightiness back on it. Look at the thing. Look at where your children, if your children are disobedient, look at the list they fall in. Children, look at where you fall if you're not obedient to your parents. If you're dishonoring your parents, you're no different than slanderers and, and people that are filled with all manner of unrighteousness and evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy. You are in the list with murderers. If you're disobedient to your parents. I don't know about you, but that would scare me to death. I don't want my name in that list. 
for any reason. Second Timothy three two. Because I don't want you to think that's the only place that these words get put in the same list. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. But understand this, I'm going to start in verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpeasable, slanderers, without self. Do you see this list? And what's right in the middle of it again? Disobedient children. Listen, y'all, God sees this a lot bigger than you and I do, evidently, because if we had the view of it that God has of it, it wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> Listen, in the Old Testament, they were killed if they struck or cursed their parents. Put to death. Now, at least God has come forward a little bit and given us the opportunity to make that correction. And Paul even puts it here as the first commandment with a promise. So now not only is the death part of it removed, you're given a promise and anybody want to take a wild gander at what the promise might be? More life. More life. So instead of, it's actually the same thing. It's just worded different. Right? If you don't do it, you're going to die. If you do do it, you're going to live. Obedience to your parents. I mean, that's basically, it. it's saying the same thing. It's worded different because me and you couldn't handle it to say that the other way. But that's what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. See, that's a modifying to the verb obey in the Lord. It should make it more important to you. And it says, for this is right. Montana and I had a date night Friday night. Amanda came out here to the um, women's conference. So me and Amanda, uh, Montana decided it'd be a good night for a, a father-daughter date. And the thing I love, the thing she loves about father-daughter dates, that means we're going to go somewhere. What I love about it is it means we got to get in the car with just me and her and go somewhere. And it's a great opportunity for me to have control of the radio turned all the way down and have a conversation with my daughter. And one of the things that we talked about um, Friday night was being pleasing to God in everything that we do and say. No matter where we are or who we're with, no matter what the crowd size, and that means making good decisions. Sometimes hard decisions. Sometimes decisions that cause people to look at us differently or treat us differently or maybe even laugh at us. But at the end of the day, if you can lay your head on that pillow at night knowing that God is pleased with the decision you made, what more can you ask for? There, there's, nothing more in the, there's nothing more pleasing than that to a Christian in this world. There are going to be hard decisions and there's sometimes that you're going to find yourself in a place you didn't try to get there. 
as hard as you tried to make good decisions and as much information as you gathered to make the right decision, you got misled. And you look up and you're in a bad place that you didn't mean to be. You need to out. And I assured her, you can always call me. And if that's the situation and that's the circumstance, you are not in trouble, you will not be questioned, and there are no circumstances to follow because you need an out. And I know that because I need an out. I know that because God gives me an out. Right? As hard as we try to do the things God has said do and be as obedient as we can be, we still look up sometimes and we're in a place and we go, how did I get here? And God doesn't stand there and go, hey dummy, how would you get there? No, He reaches His hand out and He pulls us out of there and puts us back where it's supposed to be and then we get to start all over. Well, I think it's fair that my child has that same opportunity. As a child, I had that opportunity. I went on a, a, over a weekend stay. It's supposed to have been a company picnic with one of the big companies here in town. I had a friend whose parents were higher-ups in that company, and they had a place at the lake where all this was going to take place, at Joe Wheeler. I said the lake, at Joe Wheeler. We left out on a Friday night. I told this same story to Montana Friday night to help explain to her why I was telling her what I was telling her. We left out on a Friday night. It was going to be a weekend full of fishing as far as I could see. I've been going to school with this guy my whole life. I was about 13 or 14 at the time. Super good guy. I mean, I spent night at his parents' house. He spent night at my house. Hey, trustworthy folks, all that stuff. We get there on Friday night, me and him fish all night long, just like I thought. Saturday rolls around and other people start showing up. And I mean people on top of people on top of people. And I'm going, uh-oh. And all was good until this guy shows up in this, I'll never forget it, a white Chevrolet pickup truck, regular cab, long wheelbase, aluminum toolbox, two jet skis. Backs the jet skis down, unloads them, gets them over to the side, pulls back up, pops the toolbox open. And it is a buffet of every kind of drug you can imagine. And people couldn't get there quick enough. They knew who this guy was. They knew why he was there. And they was buying everything under the sun out of the toolbox of this truck. And it started getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And I went, I don't belong here. This ain't where I belong. So I went to my friend's mom and I said, I need to borrow a telephone. This is before all the 12 and 13-year-olds had cell phones, I'm just saying. <laughs> so we went inside, and, and I got a, well, there was a little bit of a discussion why, and I said, I, I need to call my dad. He's going to come get me. Well, what, what's, why? I said, well, this isn't an atmosphere that I am typically in, and I'm uncomfortable, and I want to go home. And my dad's told me all my life, if I ever get somewhere that I don't feel like I belong, call. No matter where I'm at, how far it is, he'll be there. She said, well, you ain't got to do that. I said, oh, no, you don't understand, lady. I need a phone. I'm calling my dad. He's coming to get me. And I finally got my hands on that telephone, and I called Big Daddy, and I said, I, said, I need you to come down at Joe Wheeler and get me. And he said, all right, where are you at? And I said, I don't really know, but I bet somebody here can tell us. He said, what's going on? I said, I don't need to be here. It's getting crazy. He said, I'll be there as quick as I can get there. And, and I got him on the phone with the guy's dad, and he told him where we were at. And just a little while, he pulled up, and I got in the truck, and we never looked back. He never questioned me on it. He never held me accountable for it. He never, he just took me home. And I can tell you from that day forward, I did a little more investigating when a friend said, hey, you want to go to, oh, uh, I don't know, let's talk about this. 
Because as hard as you try to be obedient, as hard as you try, sometimes it doesn't work out. So I'm not saying that we should expect our children to be perfect. We're not looking for that. They're going to make mistakes. As hard as you try to do what's right, you still find your place. And you know what? When you find your place there, you need an out. God's given you one. You should give your children one. So I'm not talking about holding them so accountable that they can't move. You still have to have room for grace. You still have to have room for mercy and forgiveness, right? There still has to be that, but there has to be a line drawn. There has to be some kind of definitive thing where we stick to what the Scriptures say and as our children have to understand the importance of doing what mama and daddy say regardless of if they like it or not. And to do it without that mouth running. Huh? Amen. Y'all got me. Y'all got me, right? Hey, there ain't nothing I love more than kids. Man, I spent most of the day yesterday with my nieces and nephews. I love it. I love it. But there ain't but one thing makes me happier than spending time with kids, and that's spending time with kids that know how to act. <laughs> and this falls right back on the parents. And how much are you pouring into them? And how much time are you spending with them? We're all so busy. You're busy, but you're busy about the wrong things. What if you were as busy about kingdom things as you are about worldly things? What, what if you would pull some of the worldly stuff away and go, you know what, it's more important that I be busy about kingdom work. You know, I think about this a lot <clears throat> because the first thing that comes into my mind, just to be honest, when I start to think about some of these kingdom things that I need to do, is that I'm going to miss work and it's going to cost me this and it's going to take away from that. I've never, and, and, and Brittany and John Michael have become this example in my life, I've never seen a person that was serving God do without anything. Now, I can't tell you you ought to quit your job and quit paying your electric bill and God's going to take care of it. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that because y'all be calling me wanting me to help with that. <laughs> And I'm struggling to get mine done, so don't, take, don't be bringing yours. But I will tell you, I've never seen somebody that sold out to serving God do without anything. So if we were more busy about these kingdom things and less busy about these worldly things, I'm pretty sure God's going to make a way. Now, it may not be the way you envisioned. It may not be the big house and the new car. You may have to get a ride from here to there because the clunker broke down. Me and Montana done that Friday night. We went out there and prayed over the truck before we left to make sure it would start and get there and get back. Because Amanda had the good vehicle here at church. But we made it, didn't we? That's going to be Montana's truck when she's 16, ain't it, Montana? Yep. yep. I've got, y'all don't tell her no different. I've told her what a cool truck it is, and she loves it. Y'all don't be laughing. The coolest thing about it is it's paid for, and that's what she loves. <clears throat> Honor, verse 2 says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. Obeying your parents is a great way to begin honoring them, kids. If you're sitting here wondering, how do I honor my parents? Start with that first command of obey. That's a great way to honor your parents is just, just do what you're told. That's all, just do what you're told. Listen, we have one rule in Awanas. Anybody want to guess what it is? Do what you're told. 
If you're told to sit down, sit down. If you're told to get up, get up. If you're told to learn it, learn it. If you're told to be quiet, don't say nothing. I try to keep it simple because some of y'all's kids is, you know, <laughs> just kidding, just said that for a laugh that has no truth to it whatsoever, but we do try to keep it simple. Just do what you're told. Obey, obey, obey. There's one thing that God desires from you more than He desires anything else, and it's obedience. Just do what He instructs you to do. So we can start that early in our children's by teaching them, obey. You want to honor your father and your mother? Obey them. It's a great step in the right direction. Just obey them. Look at this. For this is the first commandment with a promise. You get rewarded for doing this. It comes, God is going to reward you. Now this is a quote from Old Testament Scriptures, and, and it says... Um, that you may live long in the land. Now, it says in the Old Testament, in the land that you were promised. So this is a, a promise to the children that if you'll obey your parents and, and you'll honor your father and your mother, then you'll get to stay a long time in the land. I can't tell you that doing what mom and daddy say will, will give you a long life but I can tell you for sure that doing what mama and daddy says will add time to your life. I can't tell you that it means it'll be a hundred years in our mind long, but I can tell you that whatever it was going to be, you can put some numbers to that because you did this. And I can tell you something else. The man that made this promise, don't break them. If he says it, it's there. It's the truth. This is kind of an example. If you'll go and look at the wife's role where he says, be submissive to the authority of the husband. This is instructions to the children to be submissive to the authority of the parents. And what happens is, it isn't so much that the children don't do their part as it is the parents don't do theirs a lot of times. In other words, we don't exercise our authority. We don't, we don't take the opportunity to sit down and explain things. I can remember one time, my daddy, I can't remember just one time that my daddy whooped me. I'm just going to tell you. It was a very regular occurrence, and he's sitting right here, and he'll tell you, my mom will tell you the same thing. Neither one of them ever hesitated to bust our hind ends. But I can remember as I got older, my dad explaining to me why I was getting whooped. And I don't know if that was because his arm was tired and he needed a break. But I can tell you that I remember those times. I can remember when he took the time to tell me why I was being disciplined. So I've tried to carry that over into raising my daughter and set her down and just have serious, we just call them serious. Hey, Montana, we have a serious talk. She go. Oh, no, am I in trouble? <laughs> well, yes, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes we just need to talk about some things that God has showed me, and I need to relay that to you and give you an opportunity to abide by that before we have to go out here and get the old switch out. Parents don't do that anymore. Parents don't do that. They don't sit down with their kids and explain to them on a regular basis why we're doing what we're doing and what it means and what, where it comes from. They don't, they don't take the time to do that anymore. And that's why we see them run them up. That's why when they get to be 18, 19, 20 years old and they come out into the workforce, they ain't got a clue. 
Nobody's told them. I know an example of that living out in front of me right now of a young man that somebody has finally took the time to sit down with him and explain to him how life works, and he actually likes it. He's doing great at it. But for all his life, he just sat in a room and played a video game, and nobody ever told him that there was something wrong with that. Somebody's got to tell them. Somebody's got to let them know that this promise exists. Maybe they do want to be obedient. They just don't know they're supposed to. Now, that's not always. I'm not saying that's every situation. Just like I'm not saying there should never be room for grace. It has to be there. It has to be there. Then, he goes on to a different place. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Now, this is right after he said something about obedient children, right? I'm going to say that obedient children are going to have some vulnerability. They're going to be vulnerable to somebody standing over them because they're doing everything they can do to be pleasing. They're doing everything they can do to be honorable to their parents and to be obedient to their parents. Now we get the warning, fathers, don't take advantage of this. Be careful. Because the sentence is death, not just to the children who curse and strike their parents. The weightiness just isn't on a kid to be a godly kid. The weightiness is on the parents as well. You know, it's a pretty big responsibility raising up children. Don't provoke them. You know, there's scriptures that say it's better for you to have a milestone tied around your neck and cast into the sea. Anybody ever seen a millstone? It's a big old concrete-looking thing that used to be on this pedal, and, that, and you would sharpen things with it. Or they would use them to, to crush meal. There would be two of them in a, in a water meal. Y'all have seen the paddles in the water, and it turns, and it goes through gears and into the inside, and it crushes grain. They're huge. It would be better for you to have that tied around your neck and cast into the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Oh, my, my, my. Don't think that you haven't... <laughs> The day I'm talking about obedient kids, and here you are. <laughs> it's a weightiness to all this. It's a major weightiness to being a parent. It's a major... Listen. Christian households should overall look different than everybody else's household. It should. It really should. There should be a difference. There should be a difference in the way we carry ourselves, the way we do things, the way we respond to things, the way we react to things. It should be different. It should look completely different. Listen, it's, as Christian parents, it's not our goal to just send another one out the door. It's our goal to send a godly one out the door. It's our goal to send a godly, respectful young lady out of my house. I told her that the day I picked her up, the day she came home with me from the funeral home. I said, here's two, here's two things you're going to be, and every decision we make is going to be related to making sure this takes place in your life. And I told her that. At nine years old, we had this conversation, and I said, you're going to be a godly, respectful young lady when you leave this house. 
And every decision me and her make about you is going to be because we believe that's how we get to this end goal. We don't think through things anymore. We just, we, just want to, we just want to go through the motions, just like Chris said earlier. What if, what if you woke up this morning and your household was excited to go worship? What if? What, what if you got up this morning and everybody in the house was excited to go worship? You wouldn't have had to drag them to the car half-dressed and a bowl of cereal in their hand. <laughs> you ever seen them on their way to vacation? They don't act like that. They're excited. They pop up out of bed and they're waiting in the car for you to get there. Right? Because they're excited about it. What if they were excited about it? How do I make my kids excited about worship? Get excited about worship! Live it out in front of them. Let them see how exciting it is. Let them see that there's something way bigger to this world than us. And it's bigger than them. I tell Montana all the time, Sister, this world don't revolve around you. This household don't. Don't I tell you that? I honestly tell her that. This ain't about you. This is about me and her. You just get the privilege of being here. Now contribute to it or find somewhere else. Why would you say that to your daughter? Because that's the way God says it. God don't like lazy. Don't come in my house being lazy because I don't want nothing in here that God don't like. It's the same reason I don't let alcohol come in. It's the same reason I don't let drugs come in. It's the same reason I guard my household against all the other worldly stuff. I don't want nothing in there that God ain't happy with because if God ain't happy with your house... And yeah, it sounds harsh. And yeah, sometimes it's hard to stand by it. And yes, sometimes we fail at it. But you know what? When we're in our right minds and we're seeking the right things, God blesses everything we do. And I don't want to live in no other world than under the protection and the blessings of God Almighty. And the way I get there is to stand firm on what He decides. When I'm standing, what Chris sang this morning, or they sang this, when I'm standing on the rock, I stand in your love. And when I'm in your love, what can touch me? So why would you not want to live there inside your household? Why would you not want everybody in your household to live in that environment? I think it's the greatest thing in the world. You want your kids to be excited about church? Get excited about church. If you keep making excuses why not to be here, guess what they're going to do? They're going to make excuses why not. You've got to be excited about worship. You've got to be excited about serving God. You've got to get your mind off of this world and get your mind kingdom focused. And when you get kingdom focused, you'll see a change in everybody around you and that includes your spouses and that includes your children. It'll happen. I promise you it'll happen. But if you just continue to come in and sit there like a knot on a log, you're going to keep getting what you've already got. And to expect anything different is one definition of insanity. You're crazy. <laughs> If you think you can keep doing what you've been doing and start getting something different, you've got to get some, you've got to do something different in order to get something different. You've got to. And the only person that can change what you're getting and what you're giving is you. You gotta look in that mirror. And and go ahead and decide. It ain't nobody else's fault. You know how I many people come to me, marriage counseling, telling me how horrible their husband is, how horrible their wife is. I'm going, look in the mirror. If you would adjust you, that adjustment will take place. Listen, you've got to get kingdom focused first. If you'll get kingdom focused, I promise you it'll happen. I promise you. 
Why can I say that? Because that's what the Scripture says. Ladies, it tells us very plainly, if you'll live it out in front of Him, He may be won over. Ain't no guarantees, but it's a whole lot better chance of it that way than it is the other. Right? Start doing your role. Start living in your spot. Start doing your part. I want to go into some of this obedient children thing from the parents' perspective before we quit. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. If you want to discourage them from doing what God's called them to do, provoke them, poke at them, stir them to anger. You'll turn them exactly opposite of what you're trying to achieve according to Scripture. Bring them up in the discipline. Don't leave off that. Everybody wants to leave that off. If my kid ain't, if my kid, what does see? Somebody tells us one of the parents has never whooped their kids, and they always said, as soon as they misbehave, I will. I can't remember. Collins. Where's Sean at? That gummit. I have a good Sean story, and he ain't even here. Discipline. Don't leave off discipline. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's some weightiness to this. Discipline. You can take the smartest, most intelligent dog in the whole world. I can, I can buy him from the greatest breeders with the best bloodline and all these papers. Kirby's gone this weekend to Mississippi for dog, tri dog tri uh, trials, they call it, where they put these dogs through tests to give them a ribbon to say they are this smart so that when people buy dogs that are bred through these dogs, they bring more money. I can take the best bloodline, the best dog, the smartest dog, and if he ain't disciplined, useless. If I can't make him do what I want him to do when I need him to do it, useless. Ain't no sense in happening. You wasted your money. You've wasted your time. That's the truth. People are the same way. It don't make no difference how good they are at what they do. If they don't know how to act right, don't nobody want to be around them. <laughs> you can put them in whatever college you want. When it comes time to get a job, they can't behave and get their own time and stay all day and show up when they're supposed to be there and do their... Who cares? Nobody want them. No, nobody want them. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> That's the truth. That's what we've got today is all these educated people that nobody wants. You know why? They don't know how to act. They don't know how to act. We just went through baseball offseason. Two of the best players in all of baseball. Free agents. Looking for a contract. Open market. Whoever wants us, take us. Nobody was fighting over them. You know why? Because don't know one of them know how to act. They're great. They can play good. But their attitude is... <laughs> now, they got paid, don't get me wrong, about $300 million over 10 years. I mean, you know, it didn't hurt them that bad. But I'm just saying nobody was fighting over them. Because they don't know how to act. Discipline is important. It's very important. Look at this. Let's just go to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Boy, this is rough. Oh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There you are. Chapter 6, verse 4. We're talking about discipline. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, 
the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know how your kids are going to learn how to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind? you got to teach them. Somebody's got to tell them. You got, they got to be disciplined. How in the world are you going to get them to love the Lord if they don't even love you? How are you going to get them to love the Lord if you can't even get them to wash your hands before they eat? How are you going, how are you going to convince them they got to do what they got to do if you can't get them to do nothing they're supposed to do? Man, this stuff is important, y'all. Keep going. Proverbs. We're going to get in Proverbs and I'm going to quit. Proverbs 22. <laughs> I love Proverbs, especially these Proverbs. These are the ones I make Montana remember, memorize and stuff. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's your promise. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he's old, he won't depart from it. All right, not, don't lose that. Now go to 15 in the same chapter. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Don't go no further. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. They can't help it. It's there. Okay? So you letting the one that's got folly in their heart run your household. Think about that. The Bible tells you they don't know how to act. Folly's in their heart. It's bred in them. And you're letting them make all the decisions. Don't do that. And look at here. Here's how you fix it. <laughs> Montana, are you listening? Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from... I don't believe in spanking my kids. I can tell. <laughs> I've seen your kids. <laughs> You don't have to announce you don't believe in spanking. Everybody around you knows you don't believe in spanking. You know how we know we've seen how your kids act? Because folly is bred in them. It's there. Don't act like you got kids that know how to act on their own. They don't. they got to be corrected and disciplined. And you know what drives the folly out of them? The rod of discipline. <laughs> the rod of discipline. It ain't because it stood up over in the corner somewhere. Oh, no, it's because it touched them one time. <laughs> and folly left. Woof! But guess what? Tomorrow it come back and he got me up and did it again. <laughs> if my daddy didn't know nothing else about Scripture, he must have known about this. <laughs> Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. <laughs> My daddy know that. <laughs> he was familiar with that idea. He said, look, I can whoop him and he won't die. <laughs> Listen, this is scripture, y'all. We, we can laugh and cut up and that's fine and good, but I'm telling you, this is solid instruction. Solid instruction. Don't be scared to whoop him. 
They got folly in their heart. It's got to come out somehow. They won't die. <laughs> hey, hey, that came, that came from another one speaking from experience. <laughs> He's been whooped before too. <laughs> Where was we at? Chapter 13. I'm about done, I promise. Chapter 13, 24. Chapter 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Diligent. I used to tell people all the time, I know my daddy loves me because of this verse right here. That's true. It's true. Listen. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. I don't believe in whooping my kids. According to scripture, then you don't love them. (laughs) What it says, I mean, I didn't write that. Look, he who loves him is diligent. Diligent. You know what that word diligent means? It doesn't mean every once in a while when it's convenient for me. Right? It's diligence. It's going after it with all you got in you. Making sure that that discipline is in place. Why? Because if you can't get them to obey you, how are they ever going to obey their heavenly Father? How If you can't get them to honor you, how are they ever going to honor God? Huh? I got news for you. They're not. They're not because they're convinced they can do what they want to. And you know how you teach them otherwise? The rod. <laughs> I'm getting me a stick this week and I'm carving rod in it. And it's just going to stand up in the corner. One more time. No, two more times. 10.13, still in Proverbs, still in Proverbs, 10.13. Listen, this Bible is full of these things. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. <laughs> hey, I didn't write this. We, we, we couldn't come up with this. Listen, look at what, on the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. When you act like you ain't got no sense, your mama's supposed to bust you. According to scripture, right? So how have we gotten so far from discipline? Why do we not understand the necessity of it? How can you proclaim, well, I don't whoop my kid. I don't have to. They act good. Yeah, and we're finna have to deal with them as adults. And I'm just going to go on and tell you, they don't act no better than you do. 29.15, and I'm done. 29.15 I tell you what, I'm getting me a rod because this thing does so much stuff in a household. Have y'all seen what all a rod does? Look here what it does now in 29.15 29, oh never mind, I was in 28. The rod and reproof give wisdom. Huh? The rod gives wisdom. You won't have a smart child. Whoop his hind end with the rod. But a child left to himself brings shame. Children, obey your father and your mother, right? Honor your, your parents. And a child left to themselves bring the opposite of that. You see that? See the weightiness? I know we've had a lot of fun and we've laughed a lot and I'm okay with that. But I want you to walk out of here with the understanding of the weightiness of two things. Being a parent obeying and honoring child 
and being a parent who honors God through their children. You know, this is a mission. We should be mission-minded. I've talked about being kingdom-minded as a couple. We should be mission-minded. And your first and longest mission, not for everybody, but if you have children, your first and longest mission is raising kids. That, that is a mission field. Because we don't want you sending out these misbehaving, no not how to act, I can't use the words I need to use, kids. And in order for you to do that, they've got to see you and your spouse united on this front. And, and they've got to see you living out what you say about the importance of the Scriptures. They've got to see you excited about worship if you want them to be excited about worship. It doesn't just happen automatically. It doesn't really come natural to you. But it's possible. God ain't never called anybody to do something that He didn't equip them to do. So if He's called you to raise these kind of children, then you can do it. This is your call. Listen, you can have a household, a Christian household, that looks different than the rest of the world. You can, and it should. But it's not going to come natural it's not going, they ain't going to teach it to them at school. They're not going to learn it on Nickelodeon. They're not going to get it from a tablet or a smartphone. You're going to have to put your foot down. You, you're going to have to make some decisions. And those decisions have to be based on what does God say about it. Me and Montana talked about right and wrong Friday night. And I explained to her how we determine right from wrong. And it ain't got nothing to do with what nobody thinks. It ain't got nothing to do with no vote. It ain't got nothing. To, it, don't, it don't. All one thing determines right and wrong. The Word of God. If He says it's right, it's right. If He says it's wrong, it's wrong. And if He says it's wrong, we ain't doing it. We're avoiding it with everything we got. If it leads to something that He says is wrong, we ain't doing it. We're avoiding it with all we got. It ain't about a vote. It ain't about what other people think. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. That's all that matters, and you've got to teach your kids that. You've got you to let them learn that. Remember, again, we're not trying to raise good kids. We're trying to raise godly adults, people that don't blend in with the rest of the world. Too many times our household looks just like everybody else's, and it shouldn't. And you even sitting in the pews beside people that may disagree with some of your parenting decisions. You ain't trying to please them neither. You ain't trying to please me. You're trying to please God. If God's happy with what you did with them, let the rest of them have it. You know what I mean? 